is Strictly John Key. Strictly John Keith on City Talk 105.9. Hello, I'm John Keith and welcome to another edition of Strictly John Keith on City Talk 105.9. Now, when you turn to the back page of a newspaper or switch on the radio, TV or the internet to keep abreast of the latest football news, do you ever pause to think of the process involved in bringing the information to you? Well, that's the business of my studio guest, a man who returned to Everton last summer after a 12-year absence, during which he became a familiar face to TV viewers as Sky's Northwest Bureau Chief. He's now Everton's Director of Communications. It's a warm welcome to a man I've known for a long time, Alan Myers. John, great to be here. Thank you. Well, thank you for coming up the City Tower, Al. Um, I suppose, Alan, when you got the call last year to return to Everton, it was a bit like going home, I take it, would it be? Well, I think, John, I, I've, I've mentioned this before, um, so please forgive me if you've heard this story before, um, but... I was actually on holiday in Dubai with my wife and uh, walking along the beach and because the nature of, of and it was transfer season, if you like, it was yeah. the summer yeah. and um, I had to have my phone on all the time, you know, in case sure. I got stories, mm. even on holiday. And um, the phone went and uh, I answered it and it was Bill Kenroyd. And he said, uh, hiya, son, you know, the way he does, he, he would call you son. And I said, yeah. hiya, Bill, you okay? And I knew the new manager was happening and, and I thought that was what it was about. And he said to me... Um, do you want to come home, son? Uh, we actually used those words. actually used yeah. those words. And I yeah. said, I honestly thought my house had been burgled, John, to be honest. Because, <laughs> yeah. you know, the only reason anybody ever tells you to come home from it's, your holiday is because news, you've got bad it? news. Yeah. So I said, sorry, but how do you mean? And he said, do you want to come back to the club? And I said, wow, um, give me four seconds to decide, you know. And uh, and that was only to get my flip-flops on, you know, to run up and tell my wife. But, um, yeah, yeah. but yeah, it, it was very much like that. And, um, and, I, and I, you know, I'm internally grateful to him and John Woods, you know, for um, for thinking, you know, of me. And you had no inkling of that? No. None at all. No. Absolutely none at all. I didn't even know that the, the, the person who was in the job at the time had left, you know, no. it was it was no. one of them, you know. Well, exactly. Well, I know, I know you've been a lifelong Everton fan, Alan. Tell me about your early days, your family growing up on Merseyside. What were they like? Well, my family were a family of Reds. I have oh, really? uh, five brothers, and every one of them was a Liverpoolian. Wow. Um, my dad was a staunch red, you know, real staunch red. Um, and uh, what happened was the reason I became an Evertonian was a lady across the road from from our house um, was Harry Catrick's cleaner, oh. you know, and she used to clean his office in Belfast. I probably knew her. Yeah, you probably did yeah. actually. You will yeah. have done. I yeah. can't remember her name. The second name was Mrs. McGee. It wasn't Elsie, remember? But anyway, Might carry on. Been, anyway, carry but. On. but, but but she used to clean, and she had these two season tickets, which every member of staff used to get, and still do to this day, you know, at Everton. And um, you'll remember in those days, uh, when the first team were away, the reserves played at home, at, at, the, at the ground. Yeah, sure. And um, and she said to me, do you want to go to these reserve games? And I said, oh, I'd love to, you know, because I was, I, was I was about 10, I think. And... Um, I used to go off to Goodison Park and watch the reserves. And I never, never, never forget it, walking down Priory Road on my, one of my first ones, and a Middlesbrough fan who'd just been chucked out of Anfield, would you believe, <laughs> came over and stole my silk scarf, my Everton scarf, you know, Good on God. the way to a reserve game. And my dad thought it was hilarious that, you know, you could be attacked on the way to a reserve game, yeah, you know. Yes. He'd understand a, a, a first-team game. Yeah, but, um, that must be a first, that. So that was a first, mm. and... Um, and, and, and that made me an Evertonian, and, and you know, so it was Mrs. McGee, really, who uh, I've got to That's thank wonderful, for it? making yeah. me an Evertonian. It's strange, these these rather bizarre twists of fate, how they dictate your life in a way. Absolutely, and, and, you know, when I look back at the time when um, 
uh, I think it was Billy Hamilton, was it, who scored a goal for Oxford and uh, meant that yeah. Liverpool won the league and we didn't. I remember the, the five brothers all jumping on top of me and I was the only Evertonian. I got I got beaten <laughs> up and me looked up and there was my dad on the top of them, you know. So oh, yeah, oh, yeah, on top it, of the pyramid. On top of the pyramid, yeah. And so I had, I had a tough life, you know, in more ways than one, Yeah, yeah, yeah well, that's, I mean, people don't realise outside Merseyside how passionate these things are. And if you're one in a family otherwise oh, yeah. the other colour, yeah. it's difficult. Oh, it was it was it was hard, you know, to be an Evertonian, yeah. and, uh, and and I had blonde hair, not unlike the rest of my my family, you know, my siblings, and uh, oh. so you know, I wasn't I wasn't really in a good place to be honest with you, John. But um, <laughs> you know, I, 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 I there was something about Everton at that time, and and it was a bad time. It was the seventies, you know. It oh, that was one of their worst ever decades. Exactly. I mean, early on, it was great, you know. Yeah, uh, sure. Uh, you know, but then, you know, we went through so many heartaches and, and it was a hard, it was hard to be an Evertonian. Mm-hmm. I think the easiest thing would have been for me to just conform, you know, to my dad's wishes yes, and, and, yes. and become a Liverpoolian, but it was never going to happen. And, yeah. and, you know, I think he respected that. And I gather that your first big hero was Bob Latchford. Is that right? Was and still is. And still is. I, I just adore the man. And, mm. uh, you know, so much so I even drew a picture of him as part of my art uh, O-level, if you like. Yeah. And I, I've, I don't think I've still got it anymore. But, um, but yeah, he was, I think, and I think it goes back to that 70s thing where he was the only thing we had at that point you know we, we hung on to him like a you know like a, a you know a, a sort of you know a sinking ship if you like yeah. you know and 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 he just gave you that sense of something to, you know to be as an Evertonian at Indeed. the time you know and, and I've had some great conversations with him since actually I remember the first time I met him in the role not so much the role I'm in now as a journalist and um you know I was actually nervous, you know, talking to him. And he was well, when you meet a hero, you probably yeah. do. He was still a hero at that point, yeah. you know. And um, yeah. you know, I mean, he still is today. I speak to him now, and uh, I was at an event not not long ago with him. And and I remember I tell him the story. And it, I worked in a fish and chip shop when I was young. Mm-hmm. You know, I used to serve in a fish and chip shop. And um, on the last day of the thirty goals against Chelsea. I couldn't go. I had to work, and the, the 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 guy who owned the chip shop at the time was insistent that I, you know, I, yeah. I worked. Yeah. And um, a little bit spooky. I was in the back peeling potatoes of all things, right? <laughs> keeping and your eye in. Keeping my eye Sorry in. Sorry about that. Or getting them out. Actually, getting them out. Getting and, your um, eye out. Sorry. Yeah. And uh, when the goal came on the radio, and they said, "Is that penalty at Goodison?" You know, and I'm listening to this radio, yeah. and I dropped to my knees. You know, when the goal <laughs> went in, I was like, you know. And then the next the next day in the paper, because you never saw anything in them days on the same day, but the no. next day in the paper there was picture. And the celebration was exactly the same celebration that Bob Lashford did that I did in the back of the chippy. So it was yes. a bit spooky, you know. Yeah, but, um, yeah. but no, he was... Bob was was great, you know. Well, I remember that day because mm. I was then on the Daily Express and we were giving the prize. Of course, yeah, the ten thousand pounds, yeah, which he got about three and eleven <laughs> yeah. in the end. But yeah, yeah he but he was you. he was a terrific player, and I've got great memories of Latchford and Dave Thomas. Yeah, their combinations, fantastic. They were a terrific combination. Weren't they, they were, and I think you know, if ever you know, we talk about the likes of David Beckham who can put a cross onto somebody's head, you know, or onto a sixpence. Dave Thomas was quite terrific possibly player. one of the best wingers I ever saw. He and, was, and and you know. Um, the, the great thing, you know, I spoke, spoke to Bob about it at the time and, and he said later on in the age, when sort of um, Billy Bingham was just finishing and, you know, and he said, you know, we were just one or two players away from having mm. a really good side. And yeah. I think that, I think he was right. Yeah. I think they just needed those couple of extra bits special. Yeah. And, and it was a shame, really, but Liverpool were so dominant in them. Well, they were. Yeah. Well, I mean, they were dominant throughout your, of your, in Europe, let alone, uh, you, you know, you're on the doorstep of the best team in Europe. It Absolutely. Was, but also, because Everton had their share of misfortune. I mean, 77, the disallowed goal. Yeah, I was knows? there. Yes, I was. I mean... 
you know, uh, we never really found out why. There's about three different explanations as to why he disallowed it, Clive. Yeah. Uh, and Gordon did have uh, a long unbeaten run as manager too, didn't Absolutely. he? Absolutely. So 22 games, I think, wasn't it? it was, was it? A long and, time. and then we got beat on Boxing Day That's by United, right. I think. United, like five yes. or six when I saw, here's a little story, if I won't name the particular man, but the Lord Mayor of Liverpool... <laughs> Was in, uh, was in the 300 club and I was speaking to him and he was celebrating. I said, you're the Lord Mayor of Liverpool yeah. and you're celebrating Everton losing to Man U. He said, I'm yeah. a Liverpool fan. Yeah. I said, you're the Lord Mayor of the city. <laughs> yeah. He didn't like that. First and foremost, yeah. yeah. But, I mean, the goal, the, the, the disallowed goal, I was at, you know, I was at Main Road and, and uh, my mum used to make us, would you believe, big rosettes. You know, in oh. those days, we used to get crepe paper and make these rosettes, you know. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And we had this rosette on and, uh, and I remember seeing the crowd and, and it went absolutely crazy as it does you know in when the goal goes in yes and i went missing for about 30 seconds you know i don't know where i was i, I was i was down on steps i was at the barriers i was <laughs> yeah. you know yeah. and when i came back up i only had one shoe <laughs> and uh i had to go home from main road with one shoe all the way home because we couldn't find it we searched the place really? we couldn't find this uh it was a moccasin as well john just for oh, the uh, just dear, for the record damn <laughs> But no, it was, uh, it was you know, it, it was... I remember coming up from the crowd and seeing Mike Pedgick, of all people, remonstrating with, uh, you know, with Clive Thomas. And, and that yeah. was the only thing. I and mean, that was the first indication that we'd, uh, you know, we'd been disallowed. And Clive's... Uh, uh, sorry, um, Mike was on the show recently right. and he said that he didn't just remonstrate with Clive, he, he really... He did. Swore like I don't know what. Well, I, I saw got it away from, with it. I yeah. saw it from a mile away. Oh, well, you know, it was are, like, yeah. you know, it was... Yeah. 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 Well, there we are. That was misfortune. But I gather also, you mentioned working a fish and chip shop. You were also a cabbie. Yeah. And you picked up a very famous French gentleman, didn't you? I did. Do you know what? Um, I I think you could pretty much name every job in the world, John, and I would have done oh, really? it at some point <laughs> in my time, yeah. Um, I'm the original, you know, uh, jack-of-all-trades, master-of-none, but... Um, I I drove a, a hackney cab in Liverpool for well I had one for seventeen years oh. you know and uh, I drove it for around about eleven years and uh, and the great thing about that was that it allowed me to do uh, other things and one of those other things was working on Radio Merseyside yes um, I don't yes. know if I can mention you that here. yeah yeah um, and um, and I used to drive around and you'll remember what a thing called a ewer. Which yes. was a sort of big the box, recording machine, recording machine Huge with, thing, with yeah. two big tapes on. I do, it. and I used to carry one of them round in my cab all the time. So I used to work at the airport, and I used to pick people up at the airport. And I got, I got this guy in, and I look him in the mirror, and I thought, "That's Michelle Platini," Fantastic. you know. And he was sitting next to a guy you may remember called Rosto. Oh, Dominic Rosto. Dominic Rosto. Yeah, he was, he was with him. You oh, see. yeah, great. So player. I look in the mirror, and I, I couldn't resist, and I said, "It is, isn't it?" And he says, "Yeah, it is." Yeah. So anyway. Uh, Alan Jackson, who's a, I know someone you know well. Yes, and indeed. He, he said to me, I rung him, and I said, and I was the only one in Liverpool at the time with a phone in my cab, would you believe? Ah. I had the actually, it was one of these LED things, it was a big yeah, thing, yeah, you know, know, like yeah. a brick, you know. Yes, yes. And, um, <laughs> and so I rung him on this phone, you know, and I said, Jacko, I've got, Michelle Platini in the back of my cab and he goes, go away with you, you stop messing me around. I <laughs> yeah, said, no. well, as you do. Yeah. yeah, I said, I genuinely have, you know. That's I brilliant. said, will you do, he'll do an interview and we put the phone handle through the back of the grill in the back of the cab and he, he sort of, <laughs> Michelle Platini, took, yeah. he was actually coming over here, would you believe, to watch um, Jan Mulby play for ah, Liverpool right, um, right. and not Jan Mulby, no, it wasn't, yes, it was, it was something to do with Jan Mulby right. and, uh, and he was, and, I think he was doing television. I think if I remember rightly, Platini was doing television, ah, and right. he was with a guy called Richard Muller Nielsen, who mm. of course was the the uh, the Denmark uh, uh, manager who yes. when they won the Euros, and um, 
it was just bizarre, That's you know, that you think. And, and yeah. you know, it's the old story, isn't it? Guess who I had in my cab last night, you know, and, and, and you did get famous people and footballers and, you know, all sorts of things. So I think that was a real proper grounding of life, John, uh, driving a hackney cab in Liverpool. I'm, for, well, I'm sure know. it's an education, yeah. oh, isn't it? That? Wow. You know, it was, I learned everything I needed to learn about life in that. In I that bet cab. you did. Yeah. 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 There's no, I was get, there's no harder school than that, is there? <laughs> there was none. No, <laughs> believe me. Yeah, I, and did they use your interviews okay? They did, yeah. yeah I mean, the other great. the other one was I was driving around and, and, and the news came over that Red Rum had died. Yeah. And uh, so I just pulled up outside uh, William Hill, you know, and uh, got straight in and did some Vox Pops with the punters inside yeah. about it. And, yeah. and it, I think it, the great thing about the Cavs was it, it, it gave me that license to be able to do that, you know, and, and, yes. and, and then I could keep, yeah. because my dream was to do radio and was to be yeah. in the media and, you yeah. know. That I mean, in a sense, you were a mobile recording unit. I was really, you? yeah. yeah. <laughs> and if anyone wants to know this, the back of a taxi cab is the best recording studio Oh, ever, is it really? Because it's so it soundproof. So, yes, it yeah, is, yeah, isn't yeah. It? Yeah. it? It was brilliant. Brilliant, and, uh, yeah. Almost studio quality, if you like. If, yeah, and, and uh, while you were working for local radio, um, which I gather started in the early 1990s, um, in one particular instance, your sheer passion for Everton got the better of you. Was was that the FA Cup semi-final at uh, Ellen Road, Everton and Tottenham? Yeah, that wasn't a good day as far as professionalism goes, John, to be <laughs> honest with you. Um, I um, I went up with a friend of mine and, uh, and you know, we were... I, I was at the back and, I don't, you know, you know, the sort of concourse, if you like. Yes. And I couldn't watch the last 20 minutes of the game. I just, I, I have a tendency, if anyone during a game would walk down Goodison Road, you know, in the last 10 minutes, you'll usually find me stood by the window. Brian LeBone did that yeah. in the Great Wimbledon Day. Yeah. I just cannot do it. You know, I can't, whilst the game's going on, you know, I can live with any result, you know, because it's a result, you know. But yeah. while the game's going on and I feel something the can happen. The sheer tension of yeah, it. Yeah, the sheer tension of mm. it, I just, it gets too much for me. And, um, and on that day, um, the way I watched the game was by looking at the heads through what they call the vomitry, you know, the sort of little uh, section where yeah. you... And I, w I knew if the heads were turned that way, we were doing okay. And if the heads were turned that way, we were in trouble, you know. And yeah. uh, and that's how I saw it. And then later on, we saw... I went into the toilets afterwards, we were in um, Ellen Road, and uh, Joe Royal came in, of course, the manager of the day, yes, you know. And, indeed. Uh, and he came in and, and he was jumping around and he said to me, uh, I'm going to have to learn to grow up, he said, you know, and it was just, it was a lovely moment, you know, yes, between, a, yeah. you know, um, but no, it was, it was something else, you know, uh, you know, yeah. there's something about watching Everton for me and I'm yeah. sure it's the same for every club, but you know, there's something yeah. about it which just takes you away. You know. Well, I'm talking to Everton's Director of Communications, Alan Myers. This is Strictly John Keith on City Talk 105.9. I'll be talking more to Alan about all kinds of things after this break. Don't go away. This is Strictly John Keith on City Talk 105.9. Hello, I'm John Keith. You're listening to Strictly John Keith on City Talk 105.9. My studio guest, Everton's Director of Communications, Alan Myers. Alan, we talked before the break about your uh, dedication to Everton. Um, but, of course, this is your second stint at the club. Uh, your first one, I think, started in 1996, and just like the second one where you were, you got this phone call in Dubai from Bill Kenwright, you were then headhunted by Peter Johnson, who was then chairman. He gave you a call, didn't he? It was. Well, it was actually Cliff Finch. Oh, um, Cliff Finch, yeah, it was yes. Cliff Finch who, who rang me. Right. And I was on Radio Merseyside. I used to do the breakfast sport on Radio Merseyside, and, uh, and I got the phone call, and again, it was... Can you come to Park Foods, as famously most people did yes. in them days? Yes. And uh, and um, so I went over and he said to me again, you know, would you like, we'd like you to join Everton. And I said, well, what has? And he said, well, 
press officer. Now, you'll know in those days, there wasn't really such a thing as press officer, you know. And um, and I said, well, what does it what does it entail? He said, well, we just want you to look after the press at that time. And, and you know, the, the hardest part was looking after the mafia, what we call the mafia at the time. I wonder you who know, they were. Who were they involved? No idea. Uh, the, the, the ringleader, I remember one in particular. <laughs> no, but but seriously. <laughs> well, I, as we've mentioned, we better explain. It was the yeah. it was the name, a rather undeserving, undeserving name, given to Collingwood of the Daily Mail, <laughs> yeah. Mike Ellis of the Sun, Chris James of the Daily Mirror. Yeah. Uh, Matt Darcy, the Daily Star, yep. and a, a one who stood aloof from all that, yeah. John Keith, absolutely, of the, Daily Express. the respectable yeah. face of the mafia. Oh, that I wouldn't was say. Me, I'm only joking. But but <clears throat> but it was, and it was a strange thing in those days. And and you know, it was hard for me <clears throat> because I'd had, you know, if I'm being honest, and 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 you know, I never had the experience that I needed to do that job at the time. You know, no. I was I was totally inexperienced in that job. Um, but you know, I got through. I think you know, and the passion for the club. Um, which is not always enough when you want to do a job properly. But, no. um, but uh, you know, it was a really strange thing because, as you know, in those days, and we were, I was talking about, with it to Roberto just a couple of days ago, actually, about, about the fact that the, the, the press lads used to come up every day well, to Belfield. Yes, you know, yes. And, and it was, you know, and there was a great relationship between the then managers, whoever they were, and the press lads. And the players. And the players. Yeah, yeah, and you would much. mill around in the car yes. park and players would come out. Yeah. There was none of this, well, you know, what we've got today. I was going know? to ask you all about that, yes. Yeah. It was an incredible yeah. feeling, but it was a trust. I think we, we worked on the, you know, the premise of trust. And I think, you know, every now and again that would be, you know, abused. Um, but very, very every now and again. Mm. On the whole, that's how it worked, and, yeah. and and it was such an easier way of life. I thought at that time it was. Al, I was going to ask you about that. I mean, this was when you started there. It was Walter Smith manager, wasn't it? No, it was oh, Joe sorry. Royal. Oh, Joe uh, yeah, was there. I started that's with right. Joe, and I remember Joe. Joe was, there. Joe sorry, was yeah. fantastic. Joe's one of my favourite. Oh yeah, he's you know, great guy. Uh, managers great of all guy, time. Joe, yeah. And I remember going into the coach's room. He had a coach's room at the time, and he mm. called me in, and uh, and he said to me. You coming on the bus tomorrow? So I said uh, we're going to Chelsea, and I said, oh, I said, do you want me to? You know, because I was still almost a bit of in awe, you know, of, of yeah. everything. And he said, you're one of us now, son. You know, oh, and, and I'll never forget it. It made me, and you just you got a, a little glimpse into the insight of what he might do with players and mm. and how he gets players to play. Mm. And and I felt a million dollars. You know, my 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 chest went out. You know, and I thought, yeah, I'm part of it. You know, and yes. I really felt. And we were going down on the coach, and we were just going down the King's Road, you know, we're just getting to Chelsea and I'm sat at the back trying to mind my own business, you know, as you do. And, and I got the call from the front, you know, where's Myers, where's Myers? And, I, and it was Joe and he said to me, come on, son. And he sat me next to him. Willie Donachie moved out of his chair and he said, enjoy this as a blue. And, and I'll never forget that. You know, I felt so good, you yeah, know, going in, all the crowd were clapping us and, yeah. and I just, you know, I felt really good, you know, yes. um, because I always felt wrong on the bus because... I see it as an extension to the dressing room, really, and mm. and and people like me shouldn't really be on. But there, Alan, you know? shortly, just shortly before that, the press used to travel on the bus. Absolutely, well. absolutely, you know, so, it was. You know. It was. Uh, I mean, I, it's hard to believe that. It is. It it's happened, unbelievable. Yeah. In fact, on the Liverpool bus, Chris James used to be Shanks's guide through London, and he used to do it by <laughs> pubs. We got our first down here, Bill, and then listen to this driver. It's a professional speaking, yeah. and he used to guide them to grounds by pubs. Fantastic. You know? yeah. So, as you say, the whole world's changed now. Oh. So then Walter followed Joe's. So, actually, Joe's dis, Joe's departure was bizarre and rather sad, really. Wasn't well, it, it was a again. Was a I was talking one. about it the other day. You mm. know, it was very odd. It was transfer window day, if people remember. I and, do. and we were we were trying to sign Tor Andre Flo and a guy whose name I can't remember. Something like Effenberg or, it was, or yeah. something like that. Yes, you know, it was. Um, and he was a defender, and we could get him, but we couldn't get Tor Andre Flo. And um, and Joe sort of come to a, a situation where, and we had also. 
ironically enough, the Umbro tournament launch that day as well, uh, because we had the Umbro tournament, which in, in, in fact uh, oh, yeah. Alan Shearer damaged all his ankles in when it, oh, when it happened. Indeed. And um, and it was I remember getting a fax, and there was a young goalkeeper called James Spear who was stood in the office with me. He was going out on loan and. Uh, and next minute, a fax, which of course we had in them days as yes. well. You know, yes, faxes. can't think of a fax now. No, and that, and it came through, and and it was from the chairman. It said, you know, here's a statement. I want you to go and put it out. And I was shocked, you know, because it it, re- it didn't really didn't think it was coming. No. And uh, and I was very sad as well because Joe was such a, a oh. you know a, a man who included everybody. Yes. You know, and um, mm. and. I remember Jamie Spear, who was, a bit, you know, he was a bit of a scout. And he said, "No way!" You know, he was like, "He said, oh, no, you know." And this is one of his players, and mm. and uh, and we had to put that out. And then, of course, the next few days was was crazy. And um, you know, one story I've told before, which was one of the most hilarious stories ever, was um, when we uh, the next couple of days, um, the chairman asked me to meet him because it was around Easter time, if I remember rightly. It was, yeah. yeah and the, mm. the chairman, Peter Johnson, he said to meet me at um, meet me at. Uh, um, Belfield, he mm. said. So I met him there, and I said, "What, uh, what are we doing? Are we picking?" A, and he says, "Yeah, I'm, I'm looking at, you know, picking a, a manager." So I said, oh, "Okay." So he says, "I said, what are you thinking?" And he said, "Well, Neville and uh, Dave Watson." Mm. So I said, "All oh, right." So anyway, next minute, Neville Southall's car comes in, and as he was always first, and he pulls up and he says, um, walks past me and the chairman and says, "All right, Myers, you fat beep, you know." <laughs> Neville said uh, yeah, that. Neville said that. How yeah. unusual. And how unusual, yeah. Oh. And I said, morning. And the chairman looked at me and went, it's down to one. And Dave Watson <laughs> became manager of Everton. That's a true That's story. A wonderful. Yeah. So yeah. Neville could have been joint manager, possibly. caretaker manager. Yeah, yeah, possibly. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. And, yeah. Um, you know, and I, listen, I don't think, I think he'd already probably decided that Dave yes, Watson was going to yes, do it, you know, yeah. but it was it was quite a, a moment, you know. Yeah, but, I'm sure uh, it was. Yeah. But, you know, I mean, to be fair, it was it was harsh, but, but fair probably um, from Neville. You know, he, he was factually correct, that's all I would say, in his description. <laughs> I wouldn't say that, Al. At the I wouldn't time. say that. And now then, of course, eventually Walter Smith came in. Yeah. And you had a lot of Scots. I mean, um, Walter Archie Knox, of course, Duncan Ferguson, Alec Cleland, John Spencer, John yeah. Collins, Scott Gemmell. I yeah. mean, it was bagpipes. Yeah, well, well, you mentioned bagpipes. That's why we got the bagpipe. You know, we got the bagpipes on the pitch before games. And that's where it came from. I said, we've got ah, to try and... Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And people were then writing into me saying, why are we having bagpipes? We're English. You know, I said, no. But it's, it's sort of like, you know, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a drop of the hat towards the Scottish yes, contingent, you yeah. know. And, and uh, one of my worst moments ever was, um, you know, because just before kickoff was always a crazy time in any game. Still is, you know. Mm, and, that, yeah. and we had this bagpiper on. And he said to me, he'd done one and he came back and did another game because it was so popular because it was staring, you know. Oh, very much Even so. though, you know, someone always said to me, the definition of a gentleman is someone who can play the bagpipes but doesn't. But, doesn't, yeah. yes. but, but, um, <laughs> but, but, but I, um, I said to him, uh, I said, listen, I said, he said, I, I can't, when because we used to have to play a CD because he couldn't, you wouldn't have been able to hear him playing live. No, you wasn't. So no. I said, he said, I can't hear when the rec- when the record stops. He said, so I need a signal because I'm still blowing away, he said, and the music stopped, you know. So yeah, I said, okay, yeah. leave it with me. So I said, I'll give you a thumbs up from the tunnel, you know. So he says, okay. So anyway, something else happened, which was a bit of a chaotic, chaotic moment. And I'm like, we're trying to get... And I, and I looked up and I thought, well, at least the bagpipe's okay. And as I do it in slow motion, I'm putting my thumb up. He's only just started. Yeah. So then he pulls the bagpipes down. The whole music gets played for the whole song. You know, I think it was Flower of Scotland or something. And, and he's just stood there in the middle of the pitch. Like, and we lost that day. And of course, even oh, you know, the headlines were, even me. the bagpipes were fake. Even you know, the, yeah, oh so dear, it was, yes. It, yeah. was, uh, it wasn't good, you know, but, but funny moment, you know. Well, absolutely. 
obviously. Now, we talked earlier on about uh, you picking up Michel Platini et al. Yeah. Um, but, of course, we talked about all the Scots, but one day your life changed totally because a certain Paul Gascoigne arrived. Absolutely. And, and, I, mean, and I remember getting a phone call from uh, the then chief exec, um, Michael Dunford, and he said to me, Alan, I want you to go down and meet uh, Paul Gascoigne. He's in the car park and, you know, uh, I need you to bring him up and look after him. So so I see this Range Rover just parked in the corner of by um, by where the players go in now and it was just you know nobody knew he was there and it was just he was sat in it on his own and he put the window down and I said uh, hello Paul I'm I'm Alan Mars, you know and I get shook my hand and he says yeah, go and get us 20 tabs man so I said sorry so he says I didn't know what tabs were no, at that point you know no, no. I said sorry and he says go and get us 20 tabs and I said what's what's 20 tabs I said is this the Paul Gascoigne humour is it that I've been uh, hearing all about so he says Man, go and get us 20... I'm panicking here, like, you know, because he was a really nervous was guy, it? you know. Yeah, yeah he was yeah. totally... He, yes. You know, people don't know... Oh, people see him as the confident guy, but no, he, no, was no, he was shaking up, with, yeah, uh, with yeah. anticipation. And um, and I actually went down to the little shop opposite Goodison and got 20 embassy for him, you know. And he, I think he smoked all of them that day, you know. It was yeah. just... He was the most incredible... And still is, you know, the most incredible human being that I've ever met. Mm. There's know, a sadness for, about him as well. It's, it's horrendous. There's a, there's a vulnerability yeah. about yeah, him. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, he's given me some of my fantastic moments and he's given me some of my worst moments. I and mean, he actually, you know, smashed a, uh, a champagne bottle over the side of my head once. Good um, Because I was trying to get it off him, you know. And, um, and where, where about, where was that at? <laughs> that was at, uh, probably shouldn't say, but it was yeah. at a do where he was about to go on television, you oh, know. Right, and, yeah. uh, and, you know, he... You know, he is the most generous, the most kind, the most thoughtful human being that you could ever want to meet. But he has a he has a self destruct button, which yeah. was just um, and and it wasn't even his self destruct button really. It was it, 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 it's it was pushed because of so many other things, you know, yeah. so many mitigating circumstances. Yeah, exactly. and, yeah. and and you know, as I say, some of the phone calls, some of the things he did when he was at Everton for people. You know things which would never be seen by acts of kindness. Yeah, acts of kindness and and acts of, you know, real humour. You know, he was quite possibly the funniest man I've ever met as well. You know, yeah, genuinely funny. Yeah. But what made him even funnier was he thought he was funny as well. You know, and and he would laugh at his own jokes halfway through. Ah, you know, right. you must he, never do that. No, no. And um, <laughs> but he was like, it was. It wasn't laughing because he thought he was clever. It was laughing because he genuinely thought, thought what fun. he was going to say so was funny. funny. You know, didn't uh, he wear a David Junilla wig in the dressing room? Well, that was. I mean, he, and other things. That was well. when I'd left actually. Oh, was and, it? Oh, and, right. and and he was really instrumental in me getting a good job at Sky. You know, and, ah, and because yeah. because he wouldn't do interviews at the time. He was he wasn't doing them, and and, and we had. Three interviews, really. One is quite famous, where Abel Xavier, the the, the Portuguese uh, defender, was going to leave to Liverpool. Yes. And we're doing an interview with him, and uh, Paul leans out the window and starts crying, you know, and saying, "Don't go, Abel, don't go." And he was, and then we'd move around, and he'd come out of another window, you know, and 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 it was just hilarious. We couldn't do the interview. No. And, and then there was another one where he was with his friend Jimmy Firebellies, and Jimmy, for whatever reason, felt it was right to jump into the River Mersey. Yeah, uh, because it was a show of you know his allegiance to Paul, and he did that. And then there was also the Ginola wig thing, yes, you know, which yeah. uh, he came running out to training with this silver wig on, you know. And it was just, but he had this knack of re really making it. it was the, it was the fun he was having, which is what made you laugh. Indeed, you know I mean? yeah. You know, uh, and another time, I don't know whether you'd left at this time. He bought a parrot for the dressing room. He did. I was there that oh, day. Yeah. Well, I actually came in from Goodison. I drove up and I parked <laughs> up and and I walked in because you never knew what was going to happen. No, I'm it? sure. It was any wonder we didn't win anything. And um, <laughs> and I walked up and Walter said to me, "Al," and I said, "What?" Well, he goes, "The parrot, get it out." And I said, "Sorry." <laughs> 
I didn't know what the hell was going on. I said, what parrot? He says, he's got a parrot, you know, because if ever he said he, we knew who he was, he was talking about, you know, <laughs> yes. it was never... There was only one. There was he. no name, you know. And uh, I went in and the lads were in chaos. That's there was great. this parrot flying around, you know. And the other one, of course, his other favourite trick was going home in somebody else's clothes, no. you know, which he did no. on a regular basis. Did yeah. he really? Yeah, I remember seeing him go out one night in, in, in all this corduroy gear. He looked really... And I thought, I wonder where he's going. He looks yeah. quite well-dressed today. Yeah. And... Um, then ten minutes later, there was a fuming, fuming Alex Inyarko, you know, who had Paul Gascoigne's tracksuit on. You know, <laughs> he's gone in my clothes. I said, "We'll get them back for you, Abel, uh, um, uh, Alex. Don't worry about yeah. it." And uh, anyway, it was just crazy. crazy yeah. Days. Do you do you still keep in contact? Yeah, with him? Yeah, I do? get the odd phone call from yeah. him. Sometimes it's a good phone call. Sometimes it's not. You know, um, you know, we have. Uh, you know, he ring me up and talk every now and again, and and I helped him just recently. We went to uh, he went to America to a clinic when he had a, a really yes. bad time, yeah, and, yeah. and he was very close to death. You know, in fairness, and uh, and um, you know, we put together a, a DVD for him um, from all the people here, and it wasn't just a DVD of Get Well Soon. It was a proper, you know, oh, it great. was a proper DVD to wake him up and and, and sure, give him a, sure. and and you know, I, you know, I, I love Gaza, and I, I you know, and listen you know i've i've only had a very small part of, of his life you know but you know the people everyone he speaks to everyone he, he he is involved with have that affection for him but they also have that fear for him you know that mm. he um mm. you know he's liable to to do something wrong at any moment yeah. i'm talking to alan myers everton's director of communications we'll be talking more to alan after this break this is strictly john keith don't go away this is Strictly John Keith on City Talk 105.9. Hello and welcome back to Strictly John Keith on City Talk 105.9. My studio guest, Everton's Director of Communications, Alan Myers. Now, Alan, uh, we talked about so many things. Um, you had a very nasty moment uh, because of your, probably because of your uh, passion for Everton. March 1998, there was a 4-1 home defeat by Aston Villa and... Um, well, it ended with you being rushed to hospital with a suspected heart attack, which in fact was diagnosed as pneumonia. But uh, was that part of the fact that you, you know, you were talking earlier about the tension and things like that? Well, I think it was, John, and I think um, you know what you tend to do in a job like mine, and and you know, listen, you know, I, I'm, it's no harder than anybody else's job. But what you tend to do is you tend to go past barriers, you know, of when maybe you should stop working for, and have a rest. And, yeah. you know, and I'd gone past this and um, and there was this day and it was, I was particularly down because defeats, you know, like everyone, it gets sure. me down, you know. Yeah. And uh, and um, this particular, we, we were having a bad time at the time. You know, we, we'd gone on a, a terrible run and, and um, you know, I remember just feeling this tremendous pain in my chest and in my back and I'm thinking, what's this, you know, and I said to... I said to Mark Rowan, who, who still works at the club now, you know, yes. in my department, and I said, um, Mark, I need to go and get some fresh air. I really feel quite quite unwell, you know. So he said, OK. So we were still doing the press at this time, you know. Mm. So I go out and stood in the uh, the away dugout because I thought out the way from, you know, and I thought, I'll just have a sit down here. And, I, and next minute I collapsed, you know, and uh, I, I couldn't help myself. And, and, um, and I remember just as I was going out of, you know, consciousness. Um, I remember Slavin Village walking past and saying, it was 4-1, get over it, you know, and walked past me and left me lying on the floor, you know. Oh, and I don't think he realised, you no, know, what was happening. You know, obviously no. not. You know, he's a great, great guy. And um, 
So the next minute the doctors came out, and next minute I was I remember the next thing I remember was I was being put back into the back of a uh, an ambulance, you know, and and I was off to the hospital, and we went to went to Fasakley Hospital, and I'll never forget one of the funniest moments there was Nick Barmby, who was a, a player at the time, um, came into the hospital to see me on the way home, and you know because I, I sort of got on with him quite well, and mm. uh, and he brought in this plant. It was like, you know, I don't know whether it was just a bad attempt of a of a male colleague to uh, to bring you some sort of, you know, sure, yeah. I couldn't probably get hold of a bottle of Lucozade maybe. But <laughs> anyway, so he brought this plant, and later that evening, I'm sort of lying in the bed there, you know, and and I saw this fly, little tiny fly, and it was being attracted by this plant, ah. and I seen it sort of going around, you know. The next minute, it went down my ear, right, right into my eardrum, Good. right, and we caused absolute <laughs> panic in it. We, they rung down, and I, and it was it freaked me out, John. Like I've it never been freaked out because I could hear it was oh, sat on my eardrum, oh, and it was buzzing away, you know. And, and they called down to A and E. You need to come up. Some there's a guy in the hospital bed. He's got a fly stuck in his ear. And then the the, the doctors refused to come up, and uh, <laughs> and. And they had to put water down my ear, you know, and get this fly, flush this fly out. And, and I thought, is there anything else that can go wrong? But I'll never forget that, you know, um, Howard seen, Kendall turned yeah, up as well and, it, yeah. uh, and to come and say He didn't that. give you a flea in your No, ear, he did didn't. He? No, no. No, I'd already had that. And the guy in the next bed who was a Liverpudlian recognised me because there was a little bit in the echo, you see, about yeah, it. Yeah. And he recognised me and he said, yeah, I know who you are. He said, he said uh, that fly was doing a recce, you know, and... He said, it's spotted you, hasn't it? You know, and, and he was howling, laughing oh, as this was dear, going it's on. it's not funny, really. But, but, you know, so no matter where you go and what's happening to you, there's always a red to give you some stick, isn't it? Indeed, Al. Well, you got over that. That, that. I didn't know about the fly. That is no. unbelievable. <laughs> uh, anyway, the last match of that first period for you, a 2-0 home win over Middlesbrough, August 2001. And in a radio interview, Scott Gemmell, he scored the clinching second goal that day. Mm. He dedicated the goal to you. Yeah. And Kevin Campbell, who scored the other goal, gave you his jersey. He did, yeah. And as you were leaving Goodison, something happened, didn't it? Didn't they ask for the jersey back? Oh, yes. Yeah, they wanted <laughs> they wanted to know what it was and why. I'd, and uh, I think that was Jimmy Martin, to be honest. Oh, you well, know, well, winding well, me up, you know, right, Jimmy, because right, yeah. he never liked to lose shirts, Jim, you oh, know, no, and he never no. does, you know. But no. um, but no, that was really nice. I mean, Kevin Campbell, he, what was great, and, and he, because for whatever reasons, and it's probably not a good time to go into it, you know, but I didn't want to leave Everton. And I, and I really didn't want to go. And, and it broke my heart, to be honest with you, John, to, to leave. Um, but it was the right thing to do at the time. And... Um, I'll never forget watching Match of the Day later that evening and, and Kevin was on it. And Kevin did this celebration, which he used to do when he saw me, you know, and he'd, he'd shout Big Al and, and he'd do this oh, celebration. Right. And he actually did the celebration when he scored the goal on Match of the Day. And it was really it was really touching, you know, that, oh, that terrific, someone like yeah. Kevin could take the time to think, you know, because yeah. at the end of the day, you know, press officer, you know, that was it. And, and you know, the, the camaraderie usually stops at the team, you know. But but they were a really good bunch of lads. Mm. And, and I'll tell you, you know, this current bunch of lads is the same, are the same. You know, they are they are fantastic camaraderie. I've never There's, seen well, you like can, it. That's you know. evident. Yeah. There's an atmosphere, yeah. isn't oh, it's, there, that tells you that? It's unbelievable. And, yeah. But, but you know, Kevin was a, great, uh, was a great guy, and I stay in touch with him now, you know. But, um, yeah. but I did actually keep hold of the kit, you know, or the, the top. You despite know, Jimmy Martin's despite attempt. Despite Jimmy Martin's attempt, you know. Yeah. Well, so then you left Everett, you joined Sky, and I gather your first... The first game you covered was David Moyes' first game in it charge, was. which was a, yeah. a rather appropriate thing. The home win over Fulham, March 2002. Now, of course, in that game, Thomas Graveson was sent off in the first half yeah. hour. Yeah. And did you get some kind of call from David Moyes about that? Well, I got I got um, a call from Thomas Graveson. Oh, from Thomas <laughs> Graveson. Because I, um, I sort of said that uh, on Sky. You know, I said, 
He's let the side down. I've spoken to Tony. Yeah, he's let the side yeah. down. He's left David Moyes down. He let David Moyes down. He's left the team down. And of course, then next minute, I get this phone call on my mobile, and he said, "Alan," I said, "Yes, yeah. Thomas, good afternoon." So I said, "Oh, hi, Thomas." You know, and he, he says, "Why are you saying this about me?" I said, "Well, you know," I said, "It's true, Thomas." You know, I said, "You let the side down." You know, yeah. and to be fair to him, we we met afterwards, and we were okay about it. You know, but it was, um, you know, it, it was a period where you just, you know, you just wanted. Everton to become successful and I think one thing I would say about David Moyes and you know I know you know some of the things that get said by the fans at times you know uh, with what happened last season um, is that he changed Everton and he changed Everton into a, a real professional good solid football club with real yeah. foundations and I yeah. don't think we can forget that you know John no. you, know, I, I well, think you mustn't he, forget you know, it no, no. He can't, we can't forget that and, and he did a lot of good because I remember more than anybody what the feeling was around the place at that time and there yeah. was a, there was a sense of oh, despair is probably a bit too strong but there was a sense of no leadership you didn't mm. quite know where you were going a little bit rudderless it? yeah it was rudderless mm. it just felt wrong you know And mm. but he came and he instilled so many good practices you know uh, in that football probably club. discipline into the club absolutely and, yeah. and I think and I think that to be fair is a real legacy for him you know if you mm. look back on, on, on his time he turned the big ship around you know and, yeah. uh, and, and, and hopefully we can sail on now well, I know you're en you enjoyed your 12 years at Sky, Alan, um, and because you became a well-known face on the box as well. And one of the things you did during that uh, time was, um, I think you scooped the world. You got um, you got really close to the first American owners, um, mm. Tom Hicks and George Dillette, more Tom Hicks, I think. Yeah. And uh, you did a great interview with him in Dallas, didn't you? Well, I did a few. Um, I mean, the thing was, yeah. you know, um, you know, when you speak to these people, you know, they don't have to speak to anybody. And, and actually, I had a bit of a row with him, which which got me the interview, would mm. you believe? Some, because, sometimes that does. Yeah, he promised yeah. me an interview. I said to him, I'd like to do an interview with you about... And, and at this time, it was great. You know, the fans, you're really excited about about what what was going to happen. And and um, and I said, I'd like to come over to Dallas and do it. So he then, um, he, he said to me, yeah, yes, no problem. You'll get the first one. And anyway... Then I, f I put the radio on one. He was on the BBC, you know, on a, on a programme on, I don't know if it was Five Live or something, doing an interview. And I, I rather, well, rather probably stupidly, I, I sent an email to him and I said, you, sir, <laughs> you know, I'm a man of, of, uh, of, of decency and respect. You, sir, are quite clearly not, you know. And I thought, it's one of them where you push the button thinking, yeah, oh, what have yeah. I done, you know, mm. why did I send that? He doesn't have to speak to me, you know. And so I quickly sort of, went to apologise to him um, because I had his phone number and, and, and I said to him, Tom, listen, I, I, you know, he said, Alan, you're 100% right. I promised you and I let you down. Wow. He said, and I'll put that right. So I Good said, okay. for him. So, yeah. so we arranged to go over and we did what we call the famous fireside interview that we did. And, and I have to say, he got a lot of stick over that and that was my fault. You know, I asked him to be, because with TV, you want it to look nice, yeah. you know. And, and be it's homely. Not, kind yeah, of. and you don't really think about the sort of PR sense of that sure, you know from Matt yeah. and that's the quite an interesting thing in my job now that's all I think about in my job with Sky that that was the last thing I wanted yeah, just to look nice so different um, considerations and, and you know uh, the thing about those interviews is that you know I know there was a lot but, but I as a journalist I always wanted to I wasn't one of these people who wanted to push people and and ask the really tough questions I believe in and it's you know it's a certain style and it doesn't fit every every style but I believe that you allow people to speak and what they say, they live and die by, you know, and 
you know, it's up to them. You know, yes. what they're they volunteering say, they, it, yeah, they? what they say is what they're judged on, and it and it's up to the fans because I had a lot of fans saying, "Ask him about this, ask him about that." You know, and you know, I felt it was to him. And I think he said enough in those interviews, mm. you know, um, mm. to let the fans know who he was. And and I th- I think I don't know for whatever reason he trusted me. And um, you know, and I you know Sky were obviously delighted with that. But um, but I you know I, I found him a really nice guy at the time. And and uh, and I you know I, I've found him that way ever since. And uh, you know and you know what happened was unfortunate. Um, and you know there was a lot of Liverpoolians who were unhappy with what happened there. And I can understand why um, because it's such a great club. You know they wanted to be to mm. keep keep that way, and, yeah. and uh, you know. Um, but my job was to just get an interview, and and that's what I did, and yeah, uh, did it know. very well too. Yeah, and and I like to think that people, if I say I'm going to do this, that, or the other, they I, I follow mm. through to my word, sure, and, and we sure. do it. You know, well, but, I, yes, indeed, yeah. yeah. And but how difficult was it being an Everton fan when you're when you're doing um, particularly things about Liverpool? You just do you, do you almost sometimes overcompensate? Well, I did many yes, a times. Yes, you know, you I mean, to, uh, yes. you know, one of one of the hard parts was trying to to get people in Liverpool when I was there. You know, because they obviously knew where I'd come from and and get, trying them to to trust me. You know, and yeah. and because. You know, as I say, my my I have a lot of respect for Liverpool Football Club. You know, my my father was a was yeah, staunch; said, it was his yeah. life. You know, mm-hmm. and uh, and you know, you have that respect. And and what you've got to try and do is be totally um, neutral on it. And and as you say, John, there is a tendency sometimes to overcompensate, yeah. and and sometimes that looks worse. You know, <laughs> yes. you know, but yeah. but you know, I. You know, listen. My allegiance is Everton, and never, you know, and never will be anything else. You know, yeah. but but I also have a pride in my city as well. You know, and uh, you know, I never want Liverpool City to look poor in any way, no. shape, or form. You know, and um, and and that I always tried to reflect that in what I did. You know, as far as the job was concerned. Well, just bringing things right up to date before we finish. Uh, Roberto Martinez, a whole new era. Wonderful feeling about the club, as you say, and apart from a result recently, we won't dwell on. Mm. A fantastic, uh, a fantastic season for Everton. It's been um, it's been a whirlwind because you know when I came in six months ago, it was you know we quickly got into games. I never had really any chance because I came in. Sky wanted me to stay till August mm. um, because they had this big event, this live event, and they wanted me to be in part of that. And um, so literally, I had a week before it kicked off. You know, yeah. and and you know what it's like in football, the days. And I have to say, John, I am. So tired, you know. <laughs> it's just been non-stop. Well, and I then, love it. You know, yeah. I love it. People say to me, you know, because I go on Twitter a lot. You know, that was one of the things I, I wanted to be different as a communications guy. I wanted to do, actually communicate with people, and not talk at them, but to talk. And to how them. all that's changed since your first stint at Everton. Absolutely, the, the technology's gone. Yeah, rampant, and hasn't it? and you can you can do two things with the likes of Twitter. You can you can assess what people are thinking but you can also use that to try and get your side of the story out if you like and what yeah. you feel yeah. you know and that that was important to me and uh, you know I quickly went from I think I had 2,000 followers at Sky and I've gone to 17,500 wow, within a, a few months yeah. and and all of those are Evertonians. Yeah. That, that's, the, that's the beauty of it. You know? And working with Roberto, is that a joy, I would Absolute imagine? Absolute dream. You mm. know, he is someone who, there's been a couple of instances where, you know, I've said to him, right, we're going to do this, this and that. And he, he's not like some managers might be, you know, and say, no, no, we're doing it this way. He says, how about this? Ah. What do you think about this? And, and, and I'll go, yeah, actually, that's much better. That's you know, great. because the guy is so clever. You know, um, he knows these things. And the great thing about him is that we will talk and discuss and, you know, 
his big problem is saying no. He doesn't want to say no to anybody. No. And sometimes as a manager, you have to, you know. Mm. Um, but he is just a dreamer. And what I was saying before was the camaraderie within that camp. And I've been around, whether it was be with Sky or whether it was in my last job, I've been around dressing rooms. And I've never seen a dressing room like this one. You know, uh, really? you know on Saturday, um, the manager came out and said, we've got a special bunch of players, Alan. After this the game, was after know, the win over, after Aston, the win over Villa. Aston Villa. And he said, we've got a special, special bunch of players, you know. And I think that's what will get us through to the end of the season, uh, John, to be honest. And it, it's great to be part of it. I love being part of it. Um, sometimes I pinch myself because I can't believe, because <laughs> I never thought I'd get the chance to put right what, what happened before, you no, know, and, I know and, and now I left, and, and, and especially I, in in an, in an era like this, as absolutely, well. where it's yes. just you know anything goes, really, you know. Yeah. Um, but you know, as I say, my wife's not too happy sometimes. I haven't seen her for six months, no. but you know, but it, no. it it is great. The passion is uh, of Evertonians is uh, famous, you know, and, and and I'm loving every minute. Well, Alan, it's been a pleasure having you on the show. Thank you very much for taking the time. So, from Alan Myers, Everton's director of communications, and myself, John Keith. From this edition of Strictly John Keith, goodbye. Strictly John Keith, City Talk 105.9.